Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story Inc. is Bill Hay. Bill's the Executive Vice President and runs the media strategy group at Magid. Magid, if you haven't heard, is the leading strategy consulting firm in the media space, and almost all of their work with clients is informed by their customized consumer and B2B research insights. Bill and I become friends over the past 10 years. He comes to us today from a Chicago suburb, a stone's throw from Brand Story Inc. headquarters here in lovely Lake Bluff, Illinois. Bill, welcome to the show. Uh, Jay, great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I think we're going to spare our listeners the clinking of, uh, you know, plates where we're usually solving the world's problems at a lunch. So (laughs) that's it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we get together. Bill and I get together several times a year and talk about the state of media and content. So very excited to have you here on board. Uh, We'll get into Maggot and Associates here in a bit. But the straight shot is there are very few folks in my network who I talk to. Uh, that gets to talk to as many media publisher execs and brand execs with kind of that Venn diagram connection part between content and business as Bill does. Uh, Bill, let's start by educating our listeners on what Maggot is and what you do for them. Yeah, so no, uh, we have been in business for 62 years. Uh, I have not been alive <laughs> for, for that period of time, uh, but sometimes, uh, right, in these challenging times, if you could see my air quotes, Jay, uh, <laughs> it feels like I've been around that long. So yeah, so we, uh, Mr. Magid, uh, researcher at the University of Iowa, give you, I'm going to give you the short version that probably will take too long, uh, hired by a local TV station to help them compete more effectively in that local marketplace, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The only content that a local TV station really creates is uh, their news, uh, newscasts. So he took this station from, you know, uh, fifth place in a three-station uh, market <laughs> uh, to first uh, pretty quickly. And then, you know, that station was owned by the old Time Life, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, back when they owned uh, media properties. And then word spread. He uh, resigned as professor at University of Iowa and launched his business. So. The, the group that I uh, help manage uh, is that original group, right, where we work with uh, local media properties, TV, radio, and print. But our world, as you can imagine, because that Venn diagram you just talked about, there's so many shades of gray and overlap. So University of Notre Dame is a client, as, as you know. We've done work for your alma mater, mm-hmm. Northwestern University mm-hmm. here uh, in, uh, in Evanston. Um, you know, we have sports teams and sports networks and, and all kinds of, of, uh, of different clients uh, from different spaces. And, you know, as you said in the intro, the foundation of all of our work, Jay, is uh, insights, right? Consumer-based insights that give us competitive edge. So there's lots of consulting companies, right? And you've worked with them and seen mm-hmm. them uh, do their work where they come in with their high-powered uh, MBA or or whatever advanced mm-hmm. degree they may have, <clears throat> but there's no operational expertise. These people, these aren't people who've worked in big media organizations or small media organizations or produced content like our people have. Uh, and then they also don't have uh, the insights that guide them. <clears throat> so ultimately, the consumer wins, right? The con- or not the, if anybody has a vote, the consumer's vote is what I mean when mm-hmm. they win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're the arbiter. So we want to keep our ears close to the rail as we can and uh and we do and that 
that gives our clients a strategic advantage. Well, that's, I think you and I get together, you know, pre-COVID several times a year and just we nerd yep. out on all things going on. I think it's always been kind of a good yeah. sounding board of like, hey, what are you hearing? Hey, what are you hearing? And so no, exactly. to that end, I'd love to just kind of do some trend spotting with you and what are the, by a couple different categories. So we'll start with media publishers. So what are the top three consistent conversations you're having a little right now as we record this, like uh, essentially at the start of September with media publishers? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, you know, to, since you work for a company called Teamworks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to use as many sports analogies. <laughs> it still is skating to where the puck is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And, and where are those platforms right that mm-hmm. consumers uh, are consuming content right when that's where media publishers need to be what's the consumer ideal um you know uh, is it uh, d- does everybody need a TikTok strategy the answer is no mm-hmm. uh, right I and mean, you kind of need to know what TikTok is but <laughs> not everyone needs to win on TikTok. um and you know and you and i've spent a lot of time talking because we focus a lot of time on the streaming world mm-hmm. you know the over-the-top world so um, so we're spending a lot of time there. I do have a soft spot in my heart for video. So as you talk about mm-hmm. media publishers, I just think video, sight, sound, emotion, mm-hmm. it just drives uh, commerce, it drives loyalty. Uh, so uh, we spend a lot of time talking about video production uh, and distribution. Um, so uh, those, I, I didn't give you like answers to your question, but uh, that's, that's where, and then I, I also, and we can get around to this later too, we spend a lot of time on campaign effectiveness, right? Mm-hmm. So for media publishers, how do they provide their, if they're advertiser related um, uh, or sponsor related uh, business, how do they provide a clear ROI to their clients, mm-hmm. right? Because these tech companies promise that, but it's pretty fuzzy and it's not, they're not delivering it. Well, to kind of, segue into a different place you just kind of went there with advertisers and brands in general what are the what are the top three trends or conversations most commonly you're having right now as it relates to brands through the lens of content so i i think um you know brands as content uh, producers and and channel uh, owners i think is just super interesting right and you, you you push the way back uh uh, time machine button, and you go back to soap operas, right? And Procter mm-hmm. and Gamble producing, you know, Days of Our Lives and and uh, Young and the Restless to move soap, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And I think now the brand permission that uh, so a, a lot of companies have to produce content is just fascinating, right? I mean, I have a buddy from McDonald's here in Chicago who moved down to New Orleans, and he runs a pepper. Uh, company, right? Hmm. And the content, because they 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 call their loyal uh, uh, clients, um, what do they call them? Uh, like, like hotheads. Like <laughs> it's all about about spice, yeah. right? And you know their relationship with the folks who like Cajun spices is amazing. Well, then the brand permission you have to create content around that kind of community and and is just fascinating. So whether you're small little uh, Louisiana Pepper Exchange, which is his company, mm-hmm. or your Best Buy, <clears throat> which is producing content for all those screens that uh, are in their uh, retail stores. 
and beyond, I just think is super interesting. And, and, and people just need to really flex that muscle and, 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 and really think broadly and creatively uh, about owning platforms and owning their own content. Well, I think one of the themes that uh, talk with Bill Haig, EVP of Maggot, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at W-H-A-G-U-E. Great Twitter follow. Um, I, I think one thing I really want to get into that uh, mm-hmm. is, is definite top of mind, regardless of year, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, is content measurement and effectiveness. And mm-hmm. I'd love to start with maybe the broadest brush and then kind of get down to some nitty gritty. So starting with the big picture, what has changed since the pandemic started in terms of content effectiveness overall? So, I mean, the broadest brush is I think any marketer or publisher, you just want to know what's real, Jay, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what does a Nielsen rating, a Comscore, a Google Analytics, you know, metric, mm-hmm. is it real? And, and, and I think we're getting closer to it, but I just think there's just a ton of, of uh, frustration in, on the, in the marketplace, in the landscape around around measurement because it's it's all just fuzzy I mean, it's really it's really hard uh to to know what's real so so first and foremost i think that is still uh true uh, i do think technology gives us certain advantages uh, but back to you know the point of people owning their own content people are also owning their own ecosystem so for example in the ott svod connected television world you've got samsung uh, right, who has their own measurement, but it's a walled garden. So if you yeah. want to buy the Samsung audience, you gotta, you know, you're, you, and then you want to glom together the LG audience and the Vizio audience, it's, it's, mm-hmm. and then you throw in a, uh, you know, a Comcast cable or a DirecTV. So it's it's super complicated, and these systems don't all work together. I think trading desks uh, are starting to make that easier. Mm-hmm. I worry about the interface. I worry, especially at the local level, how a local car dealer or furniture store you know, it accesses those trading desks and really understands what's going on. They remove the people, the consultative piece. So, um, so at, at, at the, at, at the larger level, um, you know, to your question, I think there's still confusion. I don't think we're, we're, we're at the accuracy that we would like to be. And I don't know if we'll ever, we'll ever get there, but one, one interesting thing because of the pandemic consumption has gone up and that mm-hmm. you have seen across the board. So, um, especially with video and well, using you, information. You, you mentioned walled gardens, right? Which mm-hmm. really came into popularity in in connection mm-hmm. with Facebook and social platforms in general. So mm-hmm. I really believe content studios still, in my opinion, have been using the top of the funnel vanity metrics, metrics mm-hmm. as it relates to content reach, views, total engagements, page view spikes, kind of standard fare. But yet, whether a major media player or an agency, we all know that these numbers are being backstopped by paid social on Facebook and Google and their subsidiaries. So I'm curious to get your take on what conversations you're having in this area with either brands or media publishers as it relates. Yeah, to- so I think on the both on both sides. So on the brand side, it's about uh, developing more uh, customized and owned content, mm-hmm. right, and then and owning those channels. Uh, creating a uh, direct-to-consumer relationship that is either through uh, those folks, uh, uh, you know, those platforms, Google, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, mm-hmm. or around them. 
right? So I think I think trying to, tr to control the messaging and the content and the distribution uh, as much as you can is 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 really uh, is really key. And then as it relates to uh, you know publishers, it's um, because because publishers who use Facebook and Google, right, it gets really expensive. Mm -hmm. right? You're paying somebody else, right, you know, for your advertiser to be on the, their platforms, but you want to be, you know, this 360 kind of uh, a solution. So it's hard, right? And I and I think publishers uh, are are also really needing to drive to owned and operated uh, platforms and content uh, where they can monetize it much more efficiently. Uh, Google and Facebook aren't going away, uh, but how do I how do I try to minimize that? I mean, it reminds me of the local TV world, right? Which is where I came from. Mm -hmm. And a local television station had national revenue from big national agencies and advertisers and local revenue. And it was always, it was, it was like 50, 50. Well, over time, uh, national revenue has gone away because they're spending nationally, nationally, not locally and local has increased. And that control and that relationship, is really a very good thing, right? They have those specific relationships. So as a, if I'm going to publisher, I want to own those relationships. I want to keep my clients close and I want to keep them in my uh, owned and operated uh, walled garden as much as I can. Well, I, I think uh, there's a couple areas that, that, that I know you are light years ahead of me. One of those would be addressable TV. Where are we mm -hmm. in the big picture of addressable TV? And if you could just explain it i mean even though yeah well listening. i mean there's there's something that's really interesting that's developing that i don't think a lot of people know about and i don't think you and i jay have even talked about it we've done tons of work so broadcast television right mm -hmm. rabbit ears uh channel two five and seven here and, and others mm -hmm. here in chicago uh they are launching so they went digital for for uh high definition uh they're now uh, launching a new standard called ATSC 3.0. Common name is Next Gen TV, and you will see Next Gen TV uh, sets uh, available in you know Costco and Best Buy and everywhere else. And I think they're available right now. Uh, so your local stations are getting ready to have a Next Gen uh, broadcast, free over the air, 4K, right? Great picture incredible sound we tested the pictures we tested the sound with consumers it is unbelievable uh but it, it will be addressable too so there's going to be the 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 data loop right it's going to it's going to go both ways so local broadcast tv will be able to compete with what's addressable now which is uh, cable and satellite right and and streaming uh, to a certain extent how, so how would that, how would that uh, work not to be I'm, i don't need to get the technology because i won't even understand it but how would addressable tv work on the next gen tv so it's bandwidth right and okay. then there is a return path for the data uh through huh. the set um and i think you have to have internet connection right so yeah. for the path to go back it's not there's not a the television station isn't receiving the signal so yeah not to get too technical right. i'm not on that side of things but uh, there's a there's a trade group called Pearl TV that Ann Shelley uh, leads uh, very capably, and they're doing an unbelievable job innovating with with that next gen okay. TV, what it's going to look like and how it's going to deliver and and addressable, right? So how it's going to deliver eyeballs to brands and for publishers, uh, I think is is really cool. So there's that. Then you know on the streaming uh, side of things, uh, on the addressability side. I worry about the walled gardens and, mm -hmm. and the uh, 
uh, the turf kind of warfare that's going on between, you know, the big three, which are, you know, Samsung, LG, and Vizio on the, on the set side. And then on the set-top manufacturer side, you've got Amazon, right, Roku, mm-hmm. and you've got those connected devices that connect to connected TVs. Uh, I know you and Rich Greenfield in an earlier podcast talked a lot about this. It's complicated. And, and, and hopefully, one of the things we talk a lot about at our firm, Jay, is removing friction and how the consumer ideal is removing friction. I just, I just hope the friction is removed because, because just the way I've described it, hopefully you get a sense. There's a lot of friction in that, uh, in that environment. Well, let's jump in there. You mentioned Rich Greenfield, yeah, from Lightshed Partners. Yeah. We had him on recently, and we were talking about kind of near-term versus the futurist mm-hmm. vision of connected TV and OTT. Mm-hmm. Um, he theorized Google and its new Android TV was one of the potential winners he sees in this connected living room. I'd love to get your vision for where we are in this really hard to navigate landscape as you described. So yeah, Rich is a super smart guy and they have access to data just like we do. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when I heard him say that, and I I think I even posted on your LinkedIn Mm -hmm. uh, uh, thread that like, wow, Rich, I I don't see that. Um, And I don't think he's wrong. I don't think I'm right. I just have a different point of view. I just see Amazon as as the 800-pound gorilla, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if you think about connected devices, um, you know, Roku was first out there, and they really had a, a lead. Amazon has caught them, I believe, in our data. They've passed them, uh, and they're just, I mean, gosh, uh, what, what the 51 cents on every uh, dollar of mm-hmm. uh, of uh, commerce that's happening on the internet is uh, going to, to that company. They're really good. Uh, Google has tried to kind of win in the TV space before they tried to do some ad sales efforts uh, back in the day. And, 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 and it's hard uh, because they're a bit of a frenemy, you know, so TV networks and, and the other players in the TV world, look at them and understand their strength, but also don't necessarily want to play nice and give them uh, access to all of their, content and their data and their inventory, right? Because Alphabet, the owner of Google, I think 90% of their revenue comes from advertising right. revenue. So uh, they're doing already okay. I don't know if you know Comcast NBC wants to give them uh, more things to sell uh, to give them a better uh, competitive advantage. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, part of my job as the CEO of Teamworks mm-hmm. Media is to stay on top of this stuff and it's extremely yeah. complicated for me and it's i'm getting paid to do it quite candidly and so mm-hmm. i'm curious the advice that you have for media publishing and brand content studio executives as they think about mm-hmm. ott and connected tvs particularly from a branded content perspective or even from an advertising well, you and i had this conversation with one of my colleagues or a couple yep. of my colleagues in your conference room mm-hmm. you know a long time ago a couple of years ago yeah. before it, it, uh, what has changed and you got to be there, right? I mean, I mean, that's where, and, and we're all focus groups of one, right? Especially now consuming so much content while we're all working from home, uh, you realize how your viewing patterns have changed and, and the devices you use. So how do I publish my content uh, to those platforms? How do I, if, I, if it's video, right? Uh, and how do I uh, market my products uh, better on those platforms? And and, and the cool thing is, is there's a little bit of audience segmentation, right? I, mean, I joke about TikTok. Um, TikTok's a great platform. And man, if you want to reach that younger demographic, I mean, it's incredible, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, uh, 
I think you need to look at the OTT streaming space in the in the same way as you look at kind of the broader television space, right? There are places, there's pockets of, of uh, audiences, and there's also pockets of opportunity to, to own your own content and own your own messaging uh, that I think is just really uh, it's interesting, just, right? It's so hard to navigate, though, like especially from the content provider's perspective, because right mm-hmm. now, I mean, candidly, I've shared this on a couple of podcasts, so I'm... If for the those that listen regularly, mm-hmm. they've heard this before, but there's just this spray and pray mentality. Right, because we have um, a few mm-hmm. properties like the Levita Baseball, where we have large libraries of content, mm-hmm. we get solicited all the time directly from third party, right, at content aggregators, and there's just this element of like you get these inbound calls and these. Uh, entities are just they just want content just volumes of content and they want to do hey non-exclusive deal give us your content for free we'll do a rev share that we can't define how much money you're going to make and and i think that the content with the exception of the big big dogs right like the disney's and the peak nbc universals with the peacocks who've kind of gone out and um and espn with espn plus like the real big big dogs have made the investments that no, we're gonna we're gonna create our own streaming properties. Those that are um, kind of the you know several tiers below that, and just the content creation space that own media mm-hmm. properties. I feel like everyone's just doing these non-exclusive deals to see who where the consolidation's gonna play out and who the winners are gonna be before they make their bets. What that's my perspective. I'd love for you to be yeah. To you know, I mean, I just hear yours. It's just, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts, right? I mean, it's all of those people asking for your content. And back to my whole discussion or point about owned and operated mm-hmm. platforms and content. I mean, you've built something great uh, with LaVita, right? Mm-hmm. And people know where to find that content. Now, if you were to, you know, spray and pray that content everywhere, does it lose its exclusivity? How does it impact that brand, your brand? How does it impact the value? Uh, the other problem is, is, you know, people selling a lot of the, pu- the content that's published out there yeah, on the streaming side of things. It's like remnant advertising. Right? Yep. No, I want top video dollar right. on a CPM basis or on a unit basis. Right. I mean, I think of Cheddar, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. streaming uh, younger skewing news. I mean, those guys don't sell by CPM at all. It's a brand. Right. You want to have the Dunkin Donuts uh, you know, a coffee, mm-hmm. uh, frozen coffee uh, glass mm-hmm. on their desk in the morning. You got to pay a big number, mm-hmm. right? You got to believe in it. It has value and pay the big number. So we all need to stand tall when we have content uh, and own it and uh, and guard it uh, and parent it, right? And, and be responsible for it um, <laughs> and not just not just go for, you know, uh, uh, mass and, and, and eyeballs when it really uh, may detract. You're such a better sales guy. Damn, I got to bring you into more sales calls, right? And I just want to use the word parent as a verb too. I just love that. Yeah, well, no, but I think I think yeah, no. I mean, you know, I mean, you and I talked about how how we tend to think of our clients in that doctor-patient relationship, but yeah. I, I think there's a parent and yeah. and you know, child thing too. How you mentor and and guide. Cool. Um, is... Well, I, you know, Bill, no one knows mm-hmm. local media like you do of anyone in my in my network so um mm-hmm. you touched on it earlier frame up the big picture for where we are uh on local media right now and that not just television just local media in general yeah so i think consumption's up i think uh the pandemic has certainly proven the value of local 
Uh, the definition yeah. of local is interesting, right? I think you, know, you and I are in the Chicago DMA, as Nielsen defines it, but you're in Lake Bluff and, and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, three towns south of you mm -hmm. uh, along Lake Michigan. Uh, your local is different than my local, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you, know, you have places, uh, uh, different websites and different local communities. I, th I think local will get more local. I think local uh, uh, broadcasts and local publishers, digital publishers, will will continue to take advantage of uh, people's sense of of local and how the, and how they're different. I think if you look at the political ad spend right now, uh, it's it's huge. The projection I think just went from six billion to seven billion. That's going to be spent. Uh, that's not just the presidential election, but I mean, there's just a lot of money, and that's all very local, very targeted. So in the local media space, that is a uh, that's a Super Bowl that's going to happen every day between mm -hmm. today and, and November 3rd. So that uh, is their advantage. Uh, I think the production side of things is a concern as it relates to the networks. Right. Uh, I don't know what we're going to be watching on ABC, NBC, CBS uh, after the first of the year or much less even at the end of this year because mm -hmm. they haven't been able to produce shows. Uh, Netflix has. Uh, uh, sounds like they've got uh, some better workarounds on their production uh, efforts. Um, but I'm bullish on local media, and I'm bullish not from the content, just from the content side, Jay, but I'm bullish from those local relationships mm. that they have, you know, with, again, the car dealers, the hospitals, the personal injury attorneys, you know, everybody you see who uses television to market, um, you know, themselves. Well, I feel like I feel this is complete me search, and you can validate or skeet mm -hmm. shoot it out of the air but i feel like the pandemic has been the whiplash back to local media that was almost needed mm -hmm. right because when you're getting up every day and saying like it, just the mindset was almost like yeah. um, not to be selfish but it's like okay how many covid cases in my town in my like you couldn't get local mm -hmm. enough or right? it was like if mm -hmm. you could have subscribed to what's my street right like you'd be what's going on yeah. in my street there was kind of you know that that pandemic framed that up but quite a bit's been written about local and digital media prior to the pandemic on many failed attempts to create a sustainable business model. And I love uh, Neiman Media Lab. I love going there. Yeah. They, they tend to dig in on this quite a bit. What does local digital media look like for you over the next year to two years? Boy, I mean, it is, again, you don't talk about death by a thousand paper cuts. I mean, it's hard, right? And, and you really talk about the newspaper industry, right? Mm -hmm. That has been forced to, to, uh, to, to move to, um, to, to digital just for survival. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, as I said early in this conversation, I believe in video, I believe in streaming. So if you want to, if, if, if there's some place uh, where local needs to win, that is digital, I think in that streaming uh, landscape of, of Amazon fire and, and Roku and, and uh, you know everything else, I think, is is compelling. That you certainly can stream on your mobile device and your laptop and your tablet. So, uh, versus you know going to you know ChicagoTribune.com, which mm -hmm. I just don't know about that about that business. And then I think, quite honestly, they have to rethink their relationship with their clients. Right? If they're ad supported, uh, they need to be much less focused on selling uh, you know commercials. And much more focused on helping uh, with marketing solutions, which gets to you know the publisher side of things. So um, that's a tough pivot. 
Yeah, it's also tough when you think about just the tools like a Facebook has and the hyper targeting, Mm -hmm. right? Where you can use those to hyper target pretty Mm -hmm. relatively efficiently. Mm -hmm. We can get into the skepticism Mm -hmm. about, to your point earlier, I'm not convinced how real Mm -hmm. all of that is. Um, But, you know, presumably uh, the the hyper targeting on some of these platforms is infringing on local, which makes the bar that much higher for local. And there's just that, that the economics get tough. And I got to tell you, Jamie, one thing that, that, and I get the the promise of these one-to-one relationships and the hyper-targeting is, is, as you're calling it, I also am a believer in the top of the funnel, right? Mm -hmm. The, the broad in broadcasting. Uh, I'm not a shill for, for, for television, but I just love these big platforms that just have a lot of people, right? And, and try to create awareness versus talk to somebody who happens to be interested in, you know, swim trunks, because it's August, and, and uh, I'm looking for a new pair of swim trunks, you know, that I'm, I'm going to find that, right? Uh, it's great to have an appropriate ad on Instagram, and they're very good at that. But I want discovery, I want I want more, you know, brand extension. And, and um, I just I think there's that balance that people too far move to that addressable world where you're looking for that one-to-one relationship with a guy who's looking to buy a red truck, <laughs> right? Well, t- tell him why uh, a black SUV is better, right? right. Than the red truck that mm-hmm. he was thinking about, right? Versus giving up and just trying to sell him the red truck. Well, to that end, I'd love your take on some hidden gems. Where do you see these blue ocean opportunities that content studios should be considering that maybe folks aren't thinking about right now? Well, uh, I think content is king. So, so, uh, and I think video is, is king. So as, um, you know, there are opportunities to work with brands. If you're a content studio, right? I mean, we have a client who is a big uh, window uh, manufacturer mm-hmm. uh, out of the Midwest, and they are seeing themselves as a health and lifestyle brand, right? Hmm. They make windows. I find that fascinating mm-hmm. and, and I think it's super cool and that's exactly what they should be doing. But how do you, other than, you know, a glossy ad in a, in a, in a slick, you know, New York times, uh, Sunday magazine, how do you communicate that? Well, if I'm a brand, if I'm, if I'm a content studio, I want to work with those people, right. In building content that, ex- that, that is affirming to their brand promise. And if it's, you know, a health, a brand about healthy living and lifestyle, let me figure out how to help them with that content. So uh, I want more direct relationships. I don't think brands have it inside their buildings, uh, the talent uh, and the creativity to, to produce that kind of content. So again, that's, I think, a great opportunity for, for, uh, for content studios uh, to take advantage of. And, um, and I think the creativity of the whole discussion is just so exciting, right? And, and I think you just need to really uh, have faith in yourself and your abilities to to go tell those stories. Yeah, uh, and I think, tell them on the right platform. I want to say it's John Deere, maybe getting it wrong, but I remember looking at it like John Deere had this magazine, right? And it was mm-hmm. one of these deals where they, it's to your point of like P and G. It's not really a new idea. Mm-hmm. The John Deere magazine mm-hmm. is like a hundred years old, but this notion of like instead of you know spending all of this money inefficiently a john deere mm-hmm. to try to get to the farmer it's almost like the, the ability to create your own content that is most resonant yeah. with the farmer that you'd create and therefore sponsor it and bring mm-hmm. that relationship and you know I, I love your example about the the window company because 
I really think that's kind of the 2.0 unbranded content, right? I, mm-hmm. I still think most brands and their agencies, there's just like psychology gets in the way where they can't help themselves of like purely yeah. serving. Like you're 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 a big runner, right? And so there's there's enough space in the world for more than a couple of publications, right? For yeah. there's Runner's World, there's a couple other that I'm sure you can name, but it's like mm-hmm. there's some brand out there. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a shoe, um, whether mm-hmm. it's Apple, a Fitbit, that mm-hmm. that understands those insights. Well, I'll give runner. you. I'll give you the example. So no, and you know I'm passionate about running, and and uh, my favorite moments are when I'm running uh, with my friends or or with my son. Uh, I just love them. Tracksmith is a brand that you and anybody listening to this to go should go check out. They're out of Boston. Uh, they're a small uh, company, uh, and their CEO founded them, and they have got great content and their content makes me want to buy their stuff mm-hmm. and i'm loyal to it i uh, wore a pair of their shorts this morning on my run on the green bay trail nice uh, and how many did I we just, get in I, by the way just, what's that what did we get in today how many oh just five i went long yesterday All right. so today okay. was a little bit of a of a, of a, a gimpy run <laughs> but uh but they, but i mean tracksmith is just a great example yeah. uh, that my son uh william turned me on to uh, that that uh, they're creating content and they're and and they've got a magazine and they've got video and and that's an email I look forward to getting. Yeah, they're not selling me stuff. Right, they are, but they're not. Yeah, they're community. Right? You, they're, they're yeah, it reminds me. It reminds me. I was on a call earlier today with a client. Reminds me of of live radio reads. Right, yep. you ever yep. listen to Howard Stern? He's talking mm-hmm. about how his back hurts him, and then yep. all of a sudden he's selling you a Casper bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and it's kind of a trick. It's a marketing trick. Yeah, that's the same thing with Tracksmith, you know, content that I see online. I read about how people are running, but then I, you know, want to buy their stuff. And the, the ones, and that's that's a great example, and I will check that out. And the, but I actually think there's like a next level to it too, and it's like that's mm-hmm. almost I don't want to say an obvious one, but like they're in the productization of things that you would use on running. There are these yeah. other ones where it's like. And I can't think, of, I've got to come up with a good a, a good one for this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I know when we did analytics on LaVita Baseball and we're looking mm-hmm. at like the number one brand crossover was Bose, right? And yeah. it was like, it was kind of like, what the heck does it have to do with Latino baseball? But I guess the point is there's some connectivity and insight where the product mm-hmm. or service could have nothing to do but the insight of like whatever. It's people who love historical nonfiction from World War II happen to also be window fans, right? Like they of yep. a product. And I really see, I'm getting a little esoteric here, but that's the stuff that I, I love. Like, it's just that when you can find that niche within the niche, right? Like to your point, yeah. like Tracksmith is doing something that resonates with you as a hardcore runner mm-hmm. that you're not able to get anywhere else. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just... And, and brands and agencies you, struggle the, at that. I'll give you the opposite example because I've got the magazine sitting here because I want to write the editor and and share with him my displeasure. So Runner's World magazine, which is like the yep. Bible of runners, yep. last month's issue, easily two out of three pages were spent trying to sell me their uh, subscription I don't know. It's it's like a, they've got a club, mm-hmm. um, and, and every story was about people who belong to the club, who get the coaching, who get the products, who get yeah, you know this premium subscription. I don't. You, you, right. It's lost me. Right. I mean, right. it's too much of a shill. Right. Right. Really well. It was not authentic. Right. Yep. 
Well, good. Speaking of that, you've already shared with us, Tracksmith cracks the code on the Bill Haig email, but take totally. us inside your morning must. What industry folks get the hall pass? Uh, who do you let in your inbox? Who are some of your favorite follows to keep track of, you know, being the EVP of media strategy for a company? Yeah, no, uh, there, gosh, there's, there's a bunch, right? My inbox, like everyone's is, is way too cluttered. Uh, I love Axios, right? And yeah. Sarah Fisher does their media, uh, uh, column every couple of days. She's a rock star in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and that, when she, that comes out, I read it, uh, Axios sports, your world. Uh, I also enjoy and, and then just their morning, uh, uh email, um, uh, who else do I, uh, I'm just trying to think who else do I, uh, subscribe to that? I really, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a an email alert, uh, called the rap, mm-hmm. uh, WRAP, which I like. I love the deal book from the New York times, Andrew Ross Sorkin. Uh, he's unbelievable. Um, there's a British, uh, company called the drum that's for marketers sure. yep. and I get the drum us. Uh, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, speaking of marketers, one of my favorite marketers is, is a guy I'm sure you're aware of, Seth Godin. Sure. He wrote The Purple Cow, which is one of my favorites. Seth Godin has a, uh, an early morning uh, email that I read. And lastly, in a local agency guy here who I've never met, but I feel like I know him, is Rishad Tabakawala, uh, who I would imagine you've met before, who uh, ran you know, a big agency. And he's got his own. He just started, I think, last week or two weeks ago his own um, email blast blog What post. is it called? Uh, Hopefully it's not his last name because uh, trying to spell I, that thing I, I know, me. I know. It is called, what the heck? Yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at it actually right here. Uh, change a bird's eye view. Change um, a bird's eye view, okay. Yeah, so you I know which one I, I love know. that I'm big Yeah, you tell of. me, please. Um, I have several of those. Uh, I, it, it's more generalist, the morning mm-hmm. brew. Have oh you, yeah. Have yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. These yeah. guys, you talk about uh, this is. I put them up there. Uh, they're getting a lot mm-hmm. of um, uh, Alex Lieberman, who I started it out of his dorm room mm-hmm. in Michigan. It's now a twenty million dollar plus gross revenue business off of mm-hmm. an email newsletter mm-hmm. and a couple podcasts. And the two things that they do extraordinarily well. I mean, can you imagine entering the email newsletter race like after oh, Axios? I mean, who would have invested in that? And they they mm-hmm. built this thing. And it's my favorite example because it's it's a hundred percent tone, incredible mm-hmm. tone of voice, witty writing, like. And these guys are millennials, right? And they, but yet yeah. they write for they can write a little. They'll drop some Gen X and you know pop culture in the headline. And and their referral program and their user experience, it's just extraordinary. I I, I mean, mm-hmm. I genuinely look forward to it. And it's it's such a great it's such a great example of just how brand voice can win the day. Um, so morning brew, I'm trying to get him on, uh, I'm trying to get Alex on, on the podcast mm-hmm. here. Cause oh, I just, it's like kind of like YouTube and Starbucks. I never would have invested in them. Right. I would have been like, really I know. another emails new- newsletter. Yeah. Good luck yeah. with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So last, last question for you before yeah. um, um, I'm trying to get on the Bill Haig, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, Bill Haig, you need to have your own social platform. No guy, I, I'm curious, no guy or gal I've ever met has posted more photos of tarmacs 
<laughs> on the planet. Yeah, tar- tar- you have, the you have this I'm... love affair of like shooting outside a window in like my window. Tulsa. I know, I know. I miss you those days. You must be dying because you no one spent more time on a plane than you. I am, Jay. Hundred <laughs> segments, you know, plus a year. Like I'm sure a lot of uh, of your listeners. Well, that is what I'm known for, and then the other one is the solo sushi dinner. Right when I'm traveling away from my family, and uh, I just want to kind of have a quiet dinner, I will always take pictures of uh, of a pile of raw fish, which <laughs> I could eat almost every every meal. That's how you keep that figure intact. All right. So, yeah. bedside books. What are you reading right now, Bill? Uh, what am I reading? I mean, I've got. I I, I uh, I'm not prepared for this question. Um, I've got the Steve Jobs book, you know, mm. by Isaac, Walter Isaacson. Sitting upstairs, it's okay. thick, it's heavy, it's it's daunting. Um, but <laughs> I tried to I tried to be uh, uh, you know, more of a of a of a reader this this summer. Um, I'm trying to think. I just read a uh, kind of a thriller book that's not great. Um, the, I mean, um, the Jobs book counts just because you haven't started I know, but it. It's, it's just, there. It's there. It's... I know. It's such a cheap answer. I mean, I could no, right. I could have it. I mean, you know the one that I mean when people ask, um, uh, you know Adam, Adam Grant, a huge Adam Grant fan, and you and I talk about about his book uh, yeah. Givers and Takers, and I just think that's such a great uh, book for uh, anybody uh, in business. I still, you know, I'm talking to uh, local uh, sellers at the local uh, media level. Uh, I'll still talk about David Ogilvy's book on advertising. Right, hmm. it just is still good. Right. Uh, yep. And it still is right, even though the platforms uh, have evolved. Um, so that, cool. yeah, I, I, I'm I, I, uh, I'm reading a fiction book from the from the uh, from the library upstairs. I can't I can't embarrassed to tell you I can't remember uh, the name of it, but it's uh, but it's good. I just um, read Steve um, Jobs. I'm on the mar- I'm on right. the clock for having All to right. read that. All right, we'll check back with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and David David Ogilvy was it Confessions of an Advertising Man? Ad man, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's All right. It. So spectacular. Check that out if you're listening at home. Uh, Bill Hake, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. Uh, Jay, always fun. Let's do it again. Thanks for listening to Brand Story Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.